This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown coming to you on AMI-tv. I'm Dave Brown. It's Tuesday, February the 7th, 2023. Coming up in the second hour of the show, Honda has introduced a new navigation system called Ashirache. Nelson Rago of Cool Blind Tech will tell you more on this story. And contestants Alicia Yardley and Lynn Jandreau join Alex Smythe to compete in another edition of the Weekly News Quiz. Of course, I will be quiz master. I enjoy wielding that kind of power. I also enjoy giving to you the regional news update. Beginning in the territories, unionized staff with the city of Yellowknife are gearing up for a strike while the city is preparing to lock out the employees as the two sides are trying to reach a new collective agreement. City manager Sheila Bassey-Kellett says they are willing and ready to reach an agreement. The city and the PSAC have a long history of bargaining together, and we've been successful in bargaining in good faith to renew the collective agreement dating back to the 80s. So right now at this point, I mean, our main interest continues to be to negotiate an agreement that's fair and that's respectful to our staff, and it's also affordable. A work stoppage would see the closure of the public library, pool, community arena, and dump to the public. Emergency services like fire and ambulance would continue. Over to British Columbia. BC's new Democrat government says that a budget surplus will be reinvested in the community. House leader Ravi Kallen says that people need that support. We hear concerns from people that they need more supports. They, they've made it clear that they want to ensure that health care should be available when they need it, their communities should be safer, they need affordable housing, and these are some of the priorities the Premier has laid out. The budget surplus is expected to be $6 billion. That's billion with a B. Over to the prairies, Manitoba has announced over a million dollars in added funding for the treatment of eating disorders. That includes nearly $225,000 to improve access and reduce wait times for the Child and Adolescent Eating Disorders Program at Health Sciences Centre in Winnipeg. That money will be used to hire a nurse therapist and social worker to help 80 additional families every year. Another 610000 in ongoing annual funding will be used to expand HSC's Adult Eating Disorders Program. And finally, in the Atlantic provinces, residents in PEI with an annual household income under $75,000 are now eligible for a free heat pump. The provincial government announced the expansion of its free heat pump program on Monday. Nearly 3,000 heat pumps have already been installed in homes on the island free of charge, and residents with an annual household income of less than $55,000 are also eligible for a free hot water heater. That's your look at the regional news. Brock Richardson is here for a sports chat. Brock, the Super Bowl is still a few days away, but you came across a stat about undefeated teams in the Super Bowl. Yes, I did. I came across uh, four teams, and you know, it's 
Interesting because uh, the last couple of days have been quiet in the sporting landscape and um, starting to pick up again now. But I always think, what are we going to talk about? And then I scroll through social media and I find these interesting little nuggets of information that I think, oh, Dave and I could kick this around for a couple of minutes. So with that said, uh, you told me off the air that you feel you have two of them locked in which two would you say are locked in so two of these are very easy one is the baltimore ravens they're an expansion team they've only been around for about 25 years in my lifetime they've been to two super bowls and they won them both they absolutely destroyed the new york giants and then had a very close game in a classic against san francisco so i know the baltimore ravens are 2-0 in the super bowl era with ray lewis captaining the defense on both sides of those and espn just did a pretty neat 30 for 30 on that Ravens team in the early 2000s, the greatest defense other than the Chicago Bears of the 1980s. And the other one, Brock, is a team that historically has stunk and then have had two surges of goodness. And that's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers winning one Super Bowl under John Gruden in the early 2000s over the Oakland Raiders and then again winning a Super Bowl over the Kansas City Chiefs in uh, a couple of years ago during the pandemic. So, Tampa and Baltimore, those two, I know for a fact, are undefeated in the Super Bowl. Check, check on both of those. Um, any particular guesses on the other two? I'm going to go back to my thinking that it's got to be some kind of expansion team, uh, a team that has not been around for particularly long. So as I think back on some of the teams that have won some Super Bowls of late, it's uh it's it's a bit of a struggle brock but maybe the new orleans saints yes correct and then Two the, and, oh. and then the other one is a team that has not been to the super bowl in my entire lifetime but has previously won a super bowl and that would be the new york jets yes you went four for four on that one so you've nailed all of those so those are the four uh, New York Jets, Baltimore Ravens, New Orleans Saints, and Tampa Bay Buccaneers oh are the four undefeated teams at the Super Bowl. You see, look at this. I get to be quiz master later <laughs> in the show, but I got to be a quiz contestant here in this yes. uh, first segment, and I went four for four. So I don't know if we have the dings set up there on the uh, on the audio board, but how about we give me a ding if we can? If Parker can track down a ding for me real quick. Yeah. Can you get a ding for me? Can we do a little ding? There you go. We got the ding. Thank you, Parker. I appreciate it. I feel very affirmed. Uh, Brock, you know where I'll, you know where I'll quibble with this though. In all these cases, we're talking about teams that have won two Super Bowls or one Super Bowl, whereas teams like Dallas and Pittsburgh and Kansas City and Green Bay have been to like a million Super Bowls. So maybe being undefeated is a bit of a blessing and a curse because you're just not getting there enough. Right. Yes. That's that's. That's the other thing is, or you could be a Bills fan and get there, you know, four straight times and <laughs> not not win one. So yeah, you opposite. could be there as well on the <laughs> on that end of the spectrum and just be the you know the the. The bridesmaid, yeah, uh, yeah, four straight Super Bowls. Well, there's, there's that. Well, I mentioned expansion teams. It's like the Carolina Panthers who've uh, lost to the New England Patriots and the Denver Broncos in Super Bowls. So even though they've only been around for 
30 some about 30 years or a little bit less than 30 years the Panthers have been to two but still having no rings on those fingers uh Brock let's uh, jump back to the hockey world here you and I have been talking a bit about Gary Bettman the NHL commissioner a few times and you and I were both a little bit rattled by the uh, state of the league interview he did with Ron McLean a couple of days ago during the all-star break we also talked about some proposed rule changes on the show last week but you wanted to zoom out even further and think about Gary Bettman's 30-year tenure atop the league. So what's on your mind when it comes to Gary Bettman? So what's on my mind is that I have a list of uh, pros and cons uh, with Gary Bettman. So let's do the pros and you can add or subtract either of my or any of my three that I have here. First of all, he's uh, expanded the game, adding in teams like Seattle uh, Vegas moved Winnipeg back to Winnipeg. That's number one on my list, and I think that's 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 good for the game. We'll we'll give Gary Bettman a check on expansion teams and growing the game. My second, Wait, Brock, can, uh, I, can I stop you there? Because I think that's one of the biggest points. Because it could actually go a step further than that too. Although it wasn't exclusively the Bettman tenure, you also had the movement of the Minnesota North Stars down to Dallas. So getting a team down in Texas, the expansion into Florida, the expansion into California, and that's beginning to pay a lot of the expansion into Arizona. That's beginning to pay a lot of dividends when you're looking at draft classes and World Junior teams in the U.S. right now, a lot of players are coming out of California, Arizona, Texas, and Florida. So when you start taking these four mega states that are four of the most populous states in the whole country, you're developing the talent pool in a way that really grows the game as well. So I I just wanted to stop you there on that thought because I think the expansion of the game is something that Gary deserves a lot of credit for. And that and that is the the exact reason why I led with that because I think you're right. I think that's you know the the biggest check mark of all. Um, and I do have a controversial con if you it, 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 when we get there, which I'd be curious your thoughts. But let's stick with the pros for the moment. He has uh, generated a lot of revenue slash interest over the time. The NHL uh, really makes itself a lot of money. And a lot of that goes back to what we just talked about with the expansion of teams. I think you could you could argue that Phoenix is a bit of a struggle right now with what's going on. You know, Phoenix playing in a minor league, you know, facility that that's kind of a an issue. But I think the expansion generates a lot of revenue interest in those markets. And I think he deserves a, a um credit for that so I'll, he's I'll, also I'll, let me let me let me, let me so I'm, I'm gonna jump in on each one yeah. of these individually brock i'll quibble with, i'll quibble with you on that one because as a matter of proportionality when he took over the league nhl revenue was in fourth place in north american sports and it continues to be in fourth place of the major north american sports but it's disproportionately smaller in terms of its revenue growth in the last 30 years compared to the other three sports. So even though he has grown revenue in the sport, part of that is simply sports inflation, and he's not actually kept pace with the other three major sports. Right. And and that is true, too. When you think and think about the NFL being, you know, the biggest financial beast there is in the, in the four major sports, uh, Gary's kind of stood pat, but you could also argue at least he hasn't gone down in the revenue either. He's just kind of stood pat on that. Um, the the third one is he's adapted the game over the years with a lot of uh, rule changes and 
you know, um, changing rule books. And let me be clear, Gary Bettman is not the only person that does this, but I'm, I'm framing this in the way of he's the commissioner, he's in charge. This is it. I think there's been some rule changes uh, specifically with, um, you know, when we had the lockout, you know, many, many years ago, he changed uh, some rules. He, he adopted, you know, offside being a bit different and now it's the tag up. He's, you know, added in a shootout, say what you want about that, whether good, bad, or indifferent. There isn't any more ties in the NHL. So to me, I think he's adapted with rules decently. I still think he missed the boat on the shootout. Um, but I think he's done an okay job in that. So I do, I do put that down as a as a pro your thoughts the elimination of the red line coming out of the lockout was a big one allowing for more stretch passing the adaptation has been made on a coaching front uh in the last 15 years since that change but it has sped up the game and made it a lot more entertaining yes um let's start with the cons let's go here with this one he doesn't strike me as a very personable uh person and i'm not necessarily sure that that's a necessity in his position. But I, I, as a consumer of the game, I could use the commissioner not coming across as this, um, you know, very flat individual. He's just, he doesn't seem like a very personable person. And I think that that's kind of a strike, at least for me as a consumer, against Gary Bettman. Your thoughts? It doesn't bother me. I kind of like straight talk, Gary. He's a little bit flat, but when he goes, when he starts straight talking, I kind of like it. I, I got no beef with Gary's personality. Fair enough. Uh, and then another con is, in my opinion, the saga that is the National Hockey League and the Quebec. I do think... This has been a mistake not moving back a team in Quebec. I think for some reason he has, you know, stuck his heels in the sand. You know, uh, Quebec built this nice new stadium, which isn't used for NHL purposes. Yeah, that's, that's, their, do, that's their fault, though. It, it is. But I do think I do think he's missed the boat in not expanding the team, another team in Canada. And I know I'm talking to someone that live or used to live near and around Montreal. And so maybe that wouldn't be a good thing uh, to have another team, but I, I think it would be to bring another team back to uh, Quebec. Not to blame Ottawa for Quebec City's troubles, but certainly the continuing ongoing trouble with the Ottawa Senators is something that will dissuade the league from putting a team back in Quebec City. There's just not enough TV revenue they can pull out of Quebec City, and they're very concerned about the season ticket base, and the geniuses who built that arena in Quebec decided to build it in the suburbs, which we know across the league, the teams that have their arenas in the suburbs are typically struggling with attendance more than the teams who have their uh, arenas right in the middle of downtown. So Quebec kind of did that to themselves, and Gary, I don't think, wanted to uh, put themselves into another financial quagmire. That said, if they can ever get Arizona figured out and when they can get Ottawa figured out, I'd say Quebec seems like something that will get worked out eventually. Brock, anything uh, else on your Gary Bettman list? The very last one, and this one is one we've talked about, but I put it as a con because I like it as a, as a consumer. I think not having the NHL go back to the Olympic Games has been sort of a, mm. uh, a misstep uh, for Gary. And I, again, understand and I want to reiterate, 
I recognize that Gary's not the only one making this decision, but I do think we've we've missed the boat and having the the teams uh, go or the players go to the Olympic Games, yeah. and the last time they've done it is uh, Sochi in 2014. So that's my pros and cons <laughs> list on Gary Batman. That's a true pro con list right there, Brock, because Gary was the one who got them to the Olympics in the first place. And then <laughs> what Gary giveth, Gary taketh away. Uh, Brock, we've only got a minute here, so you got to be quick. What's coming up on the neutral zone today at 11 p.m. East, 11 a.m. Eastern time on AMI Audio? Uh, we had a wonderful conversation with uh, Simone Richard, who is the program coordinator for New Brunswick Para Sports. He fills us in on all the things that are going on in their organization and we had a really great conversation with him right on that's the neutral zone 11 a.m eastern time tuesdays on ami audio then available on your favorite podcasting platform including youtube brock have a great day you as well thanks so much that is brock richardson at the ami sports desk alex Smythe is at the ami weather desk Here is your AMI National Weather Report from Environment Canada. We're going to start off in Cornerbrook, Newfoundland, where it's mainly sunny, a high of minus 8, feeling like minus 23 with the wind chill. In Charlottetown, PEI, it's cloudy with a chance of snow this morning, then a mix of sun and clouds. There's also wind gusts up to 50 kilometers per hour. The high is minus 4, feeling like minus 14. In St. John, New Brunswick, there's cloud clearing out this morning, making way for sunshine. There's wind gusts up to 60 kilometers per hour. The high is minus two with a wind chill of minus 17. In Quebec City, Quebec, it's sunny with clouds rolling in this afternoon. The high is minus six, feeling like minus 22. Here in Toronto, Ontario, rain off and on today with wind gusts up to 60 kilometers per hour and a high of five degrees. In Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, there's snow off and on today with possible freezing rain and up to four centimeters is expected to fall. There's also wind gusts up to 60 kilometers per hour. The high is one degree, it's feeling like minus 10 and a weather advisory is in effect with the transition between snow and possible freezing rain. In Brandon, Manitoba, it is mainly sunny, a high of one degrees, but feeling like minus 18. In Regina, Saskatchewan, it is clouds clearing out this morning with wind gusts up to 50 kilometers per hour. The high is two degrees, but feeling like minus 12. In Lethbridge, Alberta, it's cloudy, becoming a mix of sun and clouds around noon with wind gusts up to 80 kilometers per hour and a high of seven degrees. In Red Deer, Alberta, it's sunny, becoming a mix of sun and clouds this afternoon as well, with a high of six degrees. So quite a pleasant day out in Red Deer. The White Horse Yukon now, where it's a mix of sun and clouds with a chance of snow this afternoon. The high is minus four, feeling like minus 17. To Kelowna, BC, there's rain starting this morning and a high of six degrees. And finally, in Vancouver, BC, there's heavy rain off and on today with a chance of thunderstorms, so be careful for that. There's also up to 40 millimeters of rain set to fall. And so there is a rainfall warning in effect for the area. The high is eight degrees. And that's your AMI National Weather Report from Environment Canada. Thank you very much, Alex. Coming up next, Honda has introduced a new navigational system called Ashirase. Nelson Rago of Cool Blind Tech will tell you all about this story. This is now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv.
Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Honda has developed a wearable navigation system for people on the blindness spectrum. It's called the Ashirase. Nelson Rago of Cool Blind Tech has some more information on the Ashirase. Nelson, good morning. How are you? Hey, not too bad. How are you, Dave? I'm doing well. So, Nelson... Anytime we're talking about these navigation technologies, they're all a little bit different in their own way. So how does this one work? Yeah. Uh, well, this, they, they've been working on this project actually for uh, a couple of years. So we've actually been waiting this for um, a while. Uh, <clears throat> and it's, um, I, I guess it's, it's finally coming out. But uh, basically it works with your, your phone and, and an app on your phone. And then it works with your uh, your your feet or specifically your, your shoes. Uh, so in the shoes, there's little haptic motors, and um, the idea is that uh, there's a haptic motor on the the left part of your your feet, the the right part of your feet, and also in the front. So if you want to go forward, uh, so the front part of your foot will will vibrate, and if you want to go left, and the left part of your your feet will vibrate, and and same thing with the right, um, based on the directions that your app has given to your uh, final destination. So what are some of the key features of this technology? Uh, well, well, they specifically put the haptic engine on the uh, the nerve layer of the feet. So uh, <clears throat> hopefully you control the haptic feedback because uh, uh, it might be a little bit irritating if you got a, a vibrating on uh, on your nerves. Well, I don't know. It kind of sounds like uh, a foot massage, man. I got, I got, te- I get, I get yeah, guidance yeah. and a foot massage. This is awesome. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, that'd be good if you could do your, your whole feet instead of just the front. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so aside from the uh, the foot massage, um, they they do mention that uh, there's a, a memory type of material uh, that keeps its shape. Uh, they they also said it's a soft material that that's in the in the shoe. Uh, hopefully, it's just a um, an insert in a shoe, so that's how you can change shoes because uh, those would be pretty expensive uh, shoes that Honda's making. You mentioned they're looking at a potential uh, release date here. When's it supposed to be available? Yeah, so so back in uh, I think we talked about this back in 2021. We did. We've been working we on did. this for a while. Yeah, and uh, so they they finally are, are they gave a date back then, and and now the date is is really just around the corner. So they expect it to come out before March 31st uh, of this year. Uh, I couldn't find a price on the website, but uh, I'm pretty sure starting out, it's it's going to be a it's a very unique item. So it's going to be a very niche market uh, for people using it. Uh, so I expect it to be a Probably the most expensive shoes that uh, you ever bought. You don't understand my uh, fancy taste in shoes, Nelson. You know <laughs> these uh, Skechers aren't free, man. These Skechers slip-ons—they oh, yeah. uh, don't give them away for free at the door. Uh, Nelson, let's jump into a tech tip. You've always got something to offer up in terms of customizing our gear to make it a little bit more accessible. Today, you want to share some advice on how to activate the grayscale feature on an iPhone. Yeah, so see, the idea for this is uh, it's good for people that have uh, color blindness. Uh, it's good for people that like eating um, or like reading, not eating uh, ebooks, uh, where it has the uh, uh, the variations of black and white. Uh, it apparently helps with the uh, uh, the battery, according uh, uh, to to Apple. Um, and uh, let me just find the notes here because it's a bit of a task to actually get to it. So uh, to actually turn on grayscale. You have to go to um, settings, accessibility, and then from there you have to go to uh, uh, where is it here? Display. Oh, hold on. Oh, display and text size, uh, and then you have to go down to color filters. Turn that on, 
and then from there you turn off uh gray or you turn on grayscale um but if if you can't remember all those steps uh, there's an easier way to do it uh so it's just simply um you could use a siri or just hold down your your home button and just say turn grayscale on And then if you don't want it to on, you can just simply say, turn grayscale off. Okay, grayscale is now off. I'm not sure if you heard that. But, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Suri came in loud and yeah. clear. Suri's Suri's now the yeah. co-host of the show. You better, <laughs> so you better be careful. Suri's uh... going to do your segment next week. Oh, here's cool blind tech Siri. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's a lot easier to do it. There's also a shortcut you could do, but uh, that's the quick way I found of turning grayscale on and off. Um, Cause you, you don't necessarily always want it, especially if you're looking at photos or if you do want to see color, uh, but that's just a quick way to turn it on and off. And then of course there's that, uh, there's that manual way that I, I, uh, I talked about earlier. Uh, so it's uh, it's a nice little feature to to have for for those uh, with color blindness. I'm lazy by nature, so I like the I like the quick way you showed us yeah. there, Nelson. That was good. <laughs> uh, Nelson, thank you for this. Have a great day. Awesome. Take care. That's Nelson Rago, the founder of Cool Blind Tech. You can follow Cool Blind Tech on Twitter at Cool Blind Tech at Cool Blind Tech on Twitter. Coming up after the break, Alex Smythe has a roundtable conversation topic having to do with that robot dog or at least relating to that robot dog that he ran into at the Ontario Parasport Games. This is now with Dave Brown on AMI. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Alex Smythe showed off a robotic dog in the first hour of the show that he encountered at the Ontario Parasport Games. And Alex, this robotic dog spot has you thinking about bigger implications. Dave, uh, a few different aspects of it that just kind of have me thinking. Like, for one, I mean, the whole terminology around spot is a bit weird. A, they call it spot bought the robo dog and they called the the team working with spot spots handlers which i i'm not fully sure i am okay with you know these robot dogs they they've been around for a, a while you know they're there's so many viral videos of them um they're in they're popping up in media i i still don't know if i find them interesting or terrifying like it, it's some sort of combination of uh both so I wanted kind of to get everyone else's thoughts on these robotic dogs and how you kind of feel about them. So, Nisreen, why don't we start with you? Are you, are you excited about what they could mean, or are you just terrified that they're one day going to destroy us all? It amazes me. Uh, there's a maybe a 1% chance of... Uh, there's a 1% thought in my head that they're going to take over the world and, you know, just that... Um, yeah, spiral uh headache of that thought but what rem it reminds me of all the robotic servers in restaurants now so i've seen them at sushi all you can eat sushi restaurants and it's really crazy i mean whenever somebody passes by they move out of the way they go to the right table they they know their layout the exactly the layout of the restaurant it's it's really cool um 
what really creeped me out is when I saw the robotic server at Denny's out of all places. So that's when it hit me that, you know, it, this is going to be a real thing like everywhere. So that's when it, it slowly hit me that, wow, there's not going to be any human servers one day and it's all going to be robots. So I don't know how I feel about that. I, I never would have expected Denny's to be on the yeah. technological uh, <laughs> forefront of robotic servers. Uh, that that That's an interesting one to me. Guelph, uh, um, Guelph is at a different level. Yeah, I certainly at a, at, a, at a different level there in Guelph, for sure. I, I got to get to that, Denny's. That's, why, that's quite the grand slam you guys have going over there. Uh, Alex, it's... It's, it is interesting because we showed some footage and video of that robot dog in the first hour of the show, and that thing was just scampering along. It was moving pretty quickly with those four legs pumping away. It was moving at a pretty rapid pace, and it was it was kind of, I don't know, it, it had a definitely a bit of a creepy vibe to it. There's, there's no doubt about that as it worked its way down the red carpet for the ceremonial puck drop. The one thing, and, and you've mentioned this before when we had a conversation about AI, right? You were talking about some of the dangers implicit with AI, or at least I was talking about some of the dangers implicit with AI, and one of the things that you mentioned is, well, the AI can only be as dangerous as we choose to make it. Here's the thing, though. We have already very much understood how to weaponize technology. You don't need to look much further than the way drones are being used in the Russia-Ukraine war right now or in the conflict between Armenia and Azerbaijan, where basically we don't need air forces anymore. People are already using these robots to, to bomb people. It's pretty frightening the way in which we've already weaponized some of this technology. So really, it's not that illogical a step to start putting weapons on these robots. And then it becomes a big concern for me. Yeah, well, and uh, so I I believe Spot is originally designed by Boston Dynamics, mm -hmm. which has always been a, a robotics company that's been on the forefront and pushing things. They've they already made a commitment long ago. It's like we're not using and developing these uh, robots for any sort of uh, weaponization or warfare or anything like that. But there was another company. I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but they designed a very similar robotic style dog and they already had put a like weapon on its head so there it, just because one company is uh taking a stand saying no this is this is not going to be used for uh military or or uh weapons research or anything doesn't stop another company from coming along and hey there could be a lot of profits here that uh, we could uh explore the space and 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 really benefit from you know the constant wars policing there's all sorts of areas they could explore one thing though i started to think about as we were kind of getting this conversation started what do you guys think about the possibility of in the future we start relying on these robo dogs like spot instead of guide dogs that this becomes a a possible accessibility um kind of alternative for navigation and exploring our environments if we're relying on lidar instead of you know uh, a a dog to guide us around that there could be a bit more uh kind of involvement and evolution in the programming that it helps to navigate our environments a bit more this was something that just popped into my head so boston dynamics has already started some of that work and some organizations have already started putting these dogs forward as a possible replacement to the guide dog again it, it, it's like a conversation that, that we've been circling around quite a bit in the last couple of weeks which is how do you end up saying how do you end up replacing the need for an accessible world 
with simply more technological tools? And does that take the pressure off society to actually become more universally designed rather than once again putting the onus on people with disabilities to buy into technologies? Certainly the, t the technology is there. Listen, Nelson Rego was just talking about shoes that have navigational components to them. So definitely there, there's something there and there's certainly a prospect that exists. But ultimately it once again comes back to the question, is that ultimately a distraction from the more important question, a world that continues to be poorly designed for people with disabilities. Nazreen, what's your take? I think uh, we do bring the question back of saying, uh, do we depend on technology too much and how far can it go? And when it just the thought of replacing guide dogs with these robotic dogs is uh, it's a question of how far it will work in terms of you know, um, the care that the services that are required here. I, if I had to choose between a robotic dog and a real guide dog, uh, I would choose a guide dog for sure. I, I mean, I, everything that a guide dog would, uh, serve me, I don't know if a robotic dog would do the same and I wouldn't trust it. I feel like I have trust issues with technology in, in general. So in in that case i i don't know how i feel about it and i feel like we depend on technology too much and it's always going to get worse later on yeah until a self-flushing toilet can actually figure out when it's time to flush when i'm using it i'm not going to trust a robotic guide dog to get me around alex you yeah. posed the question and you've actually been left out of some of these conversations that have been had over the last few weeks on the show about technology versus better design in terms of universal design of public spaces where do you land on your own question I, I think there is certainly a role that both sides need to play. I I agree with you, Dave, in the fact that, you know, you can, if we had universal design, if we had a world that was truly accessible, we wouldn't have to rely on it. I think there is also a comfort level. There's a sense of independence that we're still living in a world with other people and other things going on that, you know, there is always going to be some form of reliance on assistive devices for people living with disabilities and all those needs are going to be different depending on the uh, needs you require. And so I think it's it's finding a way to really blend those two worlds well. It's making spaces, walk spaces more accessible, making the entrances and, and the layouts of all our buildings and homes and everything accessible for everyone. But then also having the opportunity and the uh, ability to rely on other technologies or forms of technologies as simple as the white cane to, you know, using guide dogs to using wheelchairs and, and having the, that to make it an option for people to use on, on their own preference. I think that's really where the future is going to lie because, I mean, I've, I've grown up and I've always been of the mind that, you know, I, I don't wait for the world to change for me. I got to adapt to where the, where the world is. You can keep fighting for change and keep trying to improve it. But, you know, I'm a bit of the realist. It's like, well, I got to adapt to the world around me because otherwise I'm just going to be sitting at home and yeah. and waiting for, for time to pass. Basically. Certainly robots offer a caretaking component that is a bit different than orientation and mobility. So, for example, if you had a robot that was strictly your kitchen robot that would prepare your food for you and clean your kitchen for you afterwards, that'd be pretty nice. There's certainly also components of um, other forms of PSW work, personal service worker work, that a robot could be trained to do that would actually be quite useful so 
guys, let's zoom out here a little bit. Nizreen, one room in the house where you can have a robot do all your stuff for you. What room in the house are you picking? Kitchen. I love the idea of doing the dishes and cleaning the counter and uh, everything in between. So yeah. kitchen, robot for sure. I'm also down with robot personal chef. Alex, what about you? I would say probably laundry because I, I I love to cook. I like to have control over that space. But the laundry, you know, we we essentially uh, automate the process already. But why don't we just finish it off with collecting the clothes, throwing them in, sorting them. You can just sort it by colors or, or fabrics easily. You transfer it to dry and then it gets folded or ironed as needed. I, I feel that's probably the simplest uh, process that could be automated and I'm here for it. All right, I like that too. I also thought about cleaning. If I could have a robot that was tasked with all cleaning around the house, that'd be great too. And if I had to pick a room, clean my bathroom for me, Mr. Robot. <laughs> that would be lovely. Uh, Alex, thank you for this. Nizreen, thank you for this. You may have noticed that Ramya Amuthan was not part of this conversation. Ramya still a little bit under the weather, but Kelly and Ramya still coming your way 2 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-TV and AMI-audio this afternoon. Brock Richardson likely tagging in for Ramya next to Kelly. They're talking to Francis Wong, their wellness contributor, who's going to discuss the idea of dry toothbrushing. Not sure how many dentists y'all have in your life, but some of them are big advocates of dry toothbrushing. No using water when you brush your teeth. Seems a little fishy to me. But Francis Wong will tell you all about it at 2 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-TV and AMI-audio when Kelly and Ramya hit the airwaves. Coming up next, it is news quiz time. Alicia Yardley from the AMI HR department makes her return to the game. Alex Smythe will defend his crown and a brand new contestant, Lynn Jondreau from our technology and finance department appearing for her first appearance on the news quiz. All that coming your way after the break on Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-TV. It's Tuesday. It's the last segment of the show. You know what that means. Let's fire up the weekly news quiz. Oh, that's right. Weekly news quiz time with a couple familiar faces and voices and a new one as well. Let's start by saying hello for about the 17th time today to Alex Smythe. Hello, Alex. Hey, Dave. Alex is the defending champion, but someone coming back for a second taste is someone who was also oh close last week. It's Alicia Yardley from our Human Resources Department at AMI. Hello, Alicia. Hello, happy to be here. And some fresh blood from the Finance and Technology Department at AMI. It's Lynn Jondreau. Lynn, thank you for making time to be on the show today. Good morning, my pleasure. So, the way this game works, there are three rounds of questions and three questions per round. Each question comes with three multiple choice questions. If you answer the question without hearing the options, you get two points. If you need to hear the options and get it right, you get one point. If you get it wrong, we move on until the point is awarded. The order of contestants was drawn by producer Paul Daniel. Paul also wrote the questions. The order will be Alicia, Lynn, and 
Alex. So round number one, question number one, going to Alicia. Alicia, which world leader made the claim that Vladimir Putin once threatened to kill him with a missile? Oh, good question. Um, can I hear the options? Was it French President Emmanuel Macron? Was it former British Prime Minister Boris Johnson or current Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu? Um, I'm going to guess Macron. That is incorrect, which means, that Lynn, you get the next shot at this one. Was it Boris Johnson or Benjamin Netanyahu? Benjamin Netanyahu. That is incorrect. Alex Smythe get, gets the one point, the default points for Alex. That's how you won this thing last week, picking up default points. It, it was. It was. <laughs> I'll keep taking those points. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Lynn, question number two of round number one, going to you. Which was the Okay, sorry. There's there's a grammatical issue here in the way this was written. What was the name of the Memphis Police Specialized Unit that was disbanded after five members of that unit were charged in the killing of Tyree Nichols? I will need the options, please. Was it the Falcon Unit, the Tiger Unit, or the Scorpion Unit? The Scorpion Unit. That is correct. One point for Lynn. Scorpion stood for street crime operation to restore peace in our neighborhoods. So, question number three of round number one going to Alex. Lynn has one point. Alex has one. Alex, in an interview with CBC, Peter McDonald, the general manager of Sparks Auctions, spoke about a buyer who recently paid almost $300,000 for a piece of Canadian history. What did the buyer purchase? I have no clue, Dave. I'll need the options. Was it a liquor bottle owned by Sir John A. Macdonald, a 19th century stamp featuring Queen Victoria, or a carving between an indigenous carving that was nearly 4,000 years old? Uh, I, I, I guess I'll go with the indigenous carving. That is incorrect. Alicia, was it a liquor bottle or was it a stamp? I'm going to guess the stamp. That is correct. One point for Alicia. The buyer paid $292,500 plus tax for the rare 12 penny black stamp that featured Queen Victoria. So after round one, we have a three way tie. One, one, one across the board as we move into round number two. And Lynn gets the first question of round number two. Lynn, astronomers at the International Astronomical Union's Minor Planet Center, that's a mouthful, announced last week they discovered 12 new moons around this planet, putting the total count at a record-breaking 92. Lynn, what is the planet with all these moons? I'll take the options, please. Is it Jupiter, Uranus, or Mercury? Jupiter? That is correct. One point for Lynn. That's more than any other planet in the solar system. So now we have Lynn with a 2-1-1 lead. Alex, you have an opportunity to get right back into this game, though. Alex, a zoo in which city recently experienced a death of a vulture, the escape of a clouded leopard, and the disappearance of tamarins? Yeah, uh, I, I don't know this. Uh, I'll take the options. I, I, I'm familiar. I'm sure when I hear it, I'll know. Was it Kansas City, Atlanta, or Dallas? 
It was Dallas. That is correct. The Tamarins were found last Tuesday in a closet in an abandoned house. So looking at a, a nice 2-2 tie there, but Alicia's got an opportunity to get right back into this thing with question number three of round number two. Alicia, this one comes from the world of sports. The Kansas City Chiefs and Philadelphia Eagles will meet in the Super Bowl at State Farm Stadium in which city this Sunday? Um, can I have the options, please? Absolutely. Is it Orlando, Florida, Glendale, Arizona, or Los Angeles, California? I'm going to say Glendale. That is correct. The game will be the first Super Bowl in NFL history to be featuring two black quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts. Already got some of my bets in this morning. Some initial bets got in through the Ontario uh, wagering app, just in case anybody was curious. Speaking of keeping score... And these important things for those wagering on this game at home. After two rounds, two, two, two across the board, all tied up going into round number three. Alex, you get the first crack of question number one of round number three. Tom Verlaine, who died last week at the age of 73, was an influential guitarist and the frontman for which rock band? Oh, I, I don't know. I'll need the options. I don't know any of these rock bands. Well, I know one of these. Television, HTC, or Radiohead? Uh, I'll go with the television. That is correct. Okay. Uh, I think we'll have to ask Paul after the show about what constitutes influential uh, guitarists and rock <laughs> bands because I'm not all the way convinced. <laughs> Alicia, question number two of round number two, uh, round number three, unless you have a thought on uh, the band television. Uh, Ottawa resident Michael Bluin will have one of his works sent to the moon as part of a NASA expedition later this month. What is being launched into the cosmos? Um... Can I get the options? An album of Bluin's ambient music, a collection of his paintings, or a disc containing one of his novels? I'm going to take a stab in the dark and say the disc of one of his novels. That is correct. Bluin's novel <laughs> Skin House is one of several hundred works that will be immortalized on micro discs and sent to the surface of the moon as part of NASA's Writers on the Moon project all right we got a close game here lynn an opportunity to win the game outright if you answer this without the options or send us into overtime as a three-way tie if you get the one point so a camera aboard the a lot of space questions for paul today a, a camera aboard the mars reconnaissance orbiter captured an image resembling the face of which animal on the surface of mars I'll go for broke, and I'll take a guess, uh, a lion. Ooh, close, but not correct. So, hmm. Alex, I believe this gives you an opportunity for the win right here. Do you want to take a stab, or do you want to go for just the single safe point? I will go for the safe point, Dave. So is it a bear, a fox, or a moose? I'm going to say a bear. A bear is correct. The circular feature pattern on the Martian surface shapes the bear's head, while two craters resemble eyes, and a V-shaped structure creates the illusion of a nose. Alex, you once again pull out a victory, thus meaning the winner is... Alex, 
Smythe. Is this three in a row, four in a row? Uh, at least three, Dave. Uh, so, you know, it's all going to change once Karen comes back and then she'll re retake her uh, crown. I'm just keeping it warm for her right now, I think. Yeah. But, uh, you know, hey, hey, the last few weeks, I mean, it's it's come down to the final question, the final point. This is probably the tightest uh, of any uh, quiz I've been a part of. So, I mean, I got to hand it to my uh, competitors. They're keeping me on my toes. Absolutely. I've very well done. You know, Karen McGee's itching to get back into this game. Hey, Lynn, thank you for making some time to uh, pop onto the show today. It's the first time we've ever had you on the Now with Dave Brown show. It's quite nice because you and I have an off the air show pretty much every day chatting in the hallways. Lovely to bring it to the air. Thank you. My pleasure. And Alicia, always nice to hear from you. Once again, another close game by you. You're just sniffing that victory, but not quite getting all the way there. I know, but event I'm just waiting for Alex to trip up and then it'll be my time. <laughs> yeah, or the week that I'm on oh. vacation when he's filling in for me and we need other contestants. That's an opportunity yes. as well. <laughs> uh, Alicia, <laughs> thank you for this. No, thanks so much for having me. That's Alicia Yardley from AMI's HR department, Nijandro from AMI's finance and technology department, and Alex Smythe is the co-host of this show. That's all the time we have for the show today. Don't you worry, we will be back again tomorrow for a Wednesday edition of the show. You'll get the usual stuff, the Brock Richardsons of the world, the Alex Smythe of the world popping by, but you'll also hear from a brand new contributor, Emily Shavers, who was also at the Parasport Games in Ontario over the weekend and recently won herself a beauty pageant as well. So you'll meet Emily Shavers on the show tomorrow. A new Paula stops by to talk about the importance of organ donation, that and so much more coming your way when the show kicks off at 9 a.m. Eastern time right here on AMI-tv or maybe you prefer to listen on demand on the mighty AMI audio podcast network either way until then I'm Dave Brown reminding you to play safe play fair but don't forget to have some fun Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.